When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to episode 133 of McChesney Unchained. Coming to you from thednbr.com. Make sure you get down to the DNBR Sports Bar and Studio off of Colfax and support all your local Colorado uh, teams. That place kicks ass, man, and they're always rocking down there at the bar. The food is awesome. The drinks are awesome. The atmosphere is second to none. So make sure you get down to the DNBR bar and check it out. Check out all the great content at thednbr.com. As usual, Chris Dempsey is our guest today on episode 133 of McChesney Unchained. Uh, you see him on Altitude. He's always filling in with myself on Altitude Sports Radio. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, we rocked the house last Friday, so I thought we'd have him on uh, this week's edition of McChesney Unchained. So Chris will be joining us here shortly. But as always, uh, McChesney Unchained is brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. And football fans out there, who's ready to score some free bets? Now you can when you bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the National Football League. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. DraftKings customers can also get their skin in the game with new same-game parlays. That means you can combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNBR and bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And, to, and, and bet just $1 on any NFL team to win their game. And you can get up to $100 in free bets. Also, don't forget about the parlays and everything else you can get into this weekend. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And we roll here on McChesney Unchained, episode 133. My man Chris Dempsey joins us here. Chris, what's happening, brother? Welcome to the show. Good to see your face. Man, I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on your show. Thanks for having me on, man. How's life, bro? <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, usually is. Usually is. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's um, it's it's good. It's good. Um, you know, I uh, I I did uh, test positive for uh, COVID, and um, so I've been sitting. Yeah, so I've been sitting at home uh, for the last few days. Um, uh, not really super sick, but uh, just but I did test positive. So bored, uh, bored out of your mind. Yeah, so bored. Well, it's, it's the most boring thing ever. 
<laughs> oh yeah, I, I had COVID a couple months ago, and all I did was sit in my basement. It was super boring. So, but hey, hey, life goes on. Uh, Chris is the pride of Montbello High School here in in uh, Denver. I went to Niwot. Uh, he's a proud CU buff, as am I. Uh, we're going to talk about a whole lot of different stuff here today uh, on McChesney on changes. We get rolling here. Uh, make sure you check out DraftKings, obviously, for this weekend's parlays and bets. Uh, but right off the bat, I just want to shine some light on some of the Dungeon family around the country that have been balling both in high school uh, and in college. Uh, we've got more offers out this weekend. Bryce Baz, the legend uh, running back, got CSU Pueblo. Coach Rissen offered him a full ride, and then Ed McCaffrey and UNC offered him last week. Uh, Jackson Adams, a defensive end over at Arapaho, uh, got Air Force a full ride. And Coach Wilson up in Colorado offered him a preferred walk-on as well. So that's a huge get for Jackson Adams over at Arapaho. He's a really good player. Uh, Jacob Newpier got Western, uh, his first offer. So well, I'm pretty proud of Big Jake over at Rock Canyon. Zach Henning has bagged Colorado, Nevada, and Colorado State in the last two weeks. And we added two more commits to the list. Uh, Braden Miller's going to Michigan State. Caden Weatherby's going to Texas Tech. Luke Meyer's going to Air Force. Connor Jones going to Michigan. Luke Hill commits to Western. Uh, Luke's is the son of Gene Hill, who was a, the head coach down at Douglas County. And now Luke is the center at Shap. He committed to Western. And then uh, Ramos, my man, Ramos over at uh, Arapahoe High School playing for Coach Joe New. And then Tyler Brayton is their defensive line coach over there. He plays with Jackson. Uh, Ramos commits to Coach Adazio up at Colorado State. Uh, huge pickup for them. I think he's the best defensive lineman in the state at three technique. Uh, Colorado tried to get him as a walk-on, and it wouldn't take. Uh, and my man, Jabbar Ramos, goes to Colorado State uh, as a commit. So that's six commits in this, seven commits in this year's class already as we roll uh, into 2021. All right, so Chad Muma, the senior linebacker up at Wyoming, uh, wins Mountain West Defensive Player of the Week again, his third time this year alone uh, for his play in the border war with 11 tackles and a pick and two TFLs. Uh, he was also named to the Big Narek uh, Award watch list last week, the legend linebacker. That's one of those guys that you can't let out of Colorado. Again, I beat on Colorado's door so hard to recruit this kid, and they didn't even talk to him really. Uh, but Muma. Uh, he's going to be a first, second, third round draft pick out of Wyoming this year. He really reminds me a lot of Luke Wilson, who is the starting linebacker for the Cincinnati Bengals. Keep your eye on Chad Muma. He will be our guest next week on episode 134 as we talk about uh, hopefully their win against Boise on Friday night. So big, big tip of the cap to Chad Muma. Uh, CU, we'll talk about them in a minute. They got a huge win. The other night, just got to tip my cap to uh, Jake Wiley and Casey Roddick, two guys that are on NAI deals with 6-0, six, six and two of my guys that I've been working with for many, many, many years. Uh, both been playing really, really well under the tutelage of the new offensive line coach. Um, they both were were uh, solid factors in that running game the other night that sprung Boussard. Uh, Chase Penry, the true freshman up there, has been absolutely balling out of his mind. Number three, keep your eye on him as the year goes on. Nate Lamman, obviously named the Buckus list, one of 18 guys. I don't think he has a chance to win it this year because of missing two games. But before that Cal game, you had to say that he was probably the best middle, pure middle linebacker in the country. Um, I would say Muma is probably a better linebacker top to bottom uh, just from a, a running standpoint, running sideline to sideline. But there, I don't know if you could find anybody better in the box than Nate Lamman. Uh, and then to kind of 
sealed the deal here for Friday night. Shale and Depot and the Boise State three. Caden Dudley and Core Kringlin win their last year out of Holy Family and Palmer Ridge, respectively. Shea went to Eagle Crest. He's won Mountain West uh, Rookie of the Year twice this year already for his play at safety. Uh, Shea from Eagle Crest, they play uh, Wyoming on Friday night. They had a huge win at number 22 Fresno State. They whipped that ass. Uh, that was a little Dungeon Family <laughs> brawl as well. as Braylon Nelson from Vista Peak is one of the rotational players for Fresno State out there, so it's always good when you see Dungeon Family on Dungeon Family. Uh, and then lastly, um, Alex Padilla. Padilla is from Cherry Creek, uh, probably the smartest quarterback I've ever worked with in my life by the time he left the gym uh, to go to Iowa City and play for Coach Friends. He was teaching the quarterback uh, meeting room and all the fronts and personnel grouping. So I am not shocked at all that the, the sophomore stepped in uh, when the starter went down and went 17 for 27 and absolutely balled out. No picks, uh, no turnovers, super effective in their win over Northwestern. He gets his first start against Minnesota this weekend for Iowa. I don't think Padilla will ever give the job back. Again, that's a kid from Cherry Creek High School who, again, I beat the absolute door down for CU to recruit hard, and now he's going to be tearing it up at Iowa City uh, for the Iowa Hawkeyes, getting his first start this weekend. So a huge tip of the cap to Alex Padilla and him being ready for his opportunity when it springs. So that is your Dungeon Family News here for the 6-0 crew as we roll uh, into the midpoint of the college football season. Well, the college football season is, is forming up. The NFL season is at its midpoint. And we roll here on episode 133. Like I said, Chris Dempsey is our guest. Uh, Chris, number one. I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers before we get into the Nuggets because I think they're separate stories from Rodgers to the Nuggets, and then we'll get into football. Yep. As a journalist and covering all these different athletes from football to basketball, is this selfish or is it just a a, a, a point in case where this guy is just making a decision for himself and he's or did he set himself up to look as bad as he is? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good question. I, I think. All of the above, actually. <laughs> um, and, and here's why I say that. Um, I, I, I don't think anybody is has is 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 um, super critical of an individual who is making a decision for their own body. And so the reason that I say that to say this: Aaron Rodgers um, clearly, obviously, didn't want to get the actual vac vaccine. Went through whatever steps to get immunized. Um, is, is was the which was the word that he used for himself, and that's cool. fine. What you can't do then is that when you are asked about a vaccine going back to uh, prior to the season, then say mislead people as to what it is that you're actually doing. And then part two um, is you you work for a league that has certain protocols and certain ways that it wants things to uh, that it wants. Um, it's players to adhere to uh, when they are not, um, uh, if they are not vaccinated. And so you must adhere to those things and not um, act like you are above the, the, you know, above doing those things. And so I think for Aaron Rodgers, if he would have just come out and just said, listen, this is what I believe, um, you know, take it or leave it. I think we all would have understood that Cole Beasley did the exact same thing. And said, look, I'm not, I'm not getting vaccinated. I don't believe in it. That's just the way it's going to be. I will do whatever they tell me to do as an unvaccinated player. And that is what he's done. And that, that story 
was a thing for maybe a week before it died down and we all just played football. And for Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, uh, the, the, you, you can't just fool us, <laughs> you know, just, just let, let us know what it is and then we'll all move on and adhere to the protocols for unvaccinated players. And so he didn't do that. But then when the brushback came from what he said originally, then he kind of mea culpa and said, well, okay, I, I understand that may, maybe some things that I said might've been misleading and I'm sorry for that, but I just want to play football. And okay, I mean, that's all you had to say in the first place, you know, <laughs> and, and then put on a mask when you're on uh, in, in your, uh, your, your press conferences and your interaction with other players on the field. So um, I think he did put himself in that situation. I think he realized that. And that's why you saw on, on the, the, the podcast that he does with his, uh, with those, uh, with, with his two guys that uh, he, he backtracked on some of the stuff that he was, um, you know, kind of dug his heel in the sand in before. Well, I'd like to think that he can learn from this situation and maybe I feel like Aaron Rodgers thinks of himself as an, uh, like intellectually superior than a lot of people. And I do too. And I, I it really too. kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Like he, he feels like his, he's the kind of guy like you talk to and his opinion, it just weighs more in his mm -hmm. eyes. That, that kind of shit really, really bothers me, Dems. And I, I just feel like this is another circumstance where the selfish aspect of Aaron Rodgers is coming out. And I, I'm not saying I don't want him in Denver. If he wants to come here and throw 40 touchdown passes and, and help the Broncos <laughs> win, I'm with it. But at the yeah. same time, if they, he, he doesn't come here and we're just going to move on from this now, if he doesn't come here and he, and he ends up going somewhere else or staying in Green Bay, good for him. That's awesome. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to cry in my huge Pella because Aaron Rodgers smug ass isn't in Denver. So we'll see, we'll see if anything comes from this uh, in the long run, but it's amazing to me that, Aaron Rodgers and his COVID situation gets more run than Henry Ruggs killing somebody uh, and, and, and driving 157 miles an hour and being two times over the legal limit. Then, then yeah. it's just the, the, I'm telling you, man, some of the, uh, the, the priorities are pretty messed up in my opinion. So I guess we'll move on from that to, to a, another story. Uh, and I'm really eager to get your thoughts on this. And I'm, I was, you know, obviously watching the Nuggets the other night. And I'm a huge Nugget fan. Um, we're not necessarily going to get into the, the meat of the Nuggets right now. We talked about this when we were on altitude last Friday, but it's the beginning of the yeah. season. We're trying to figure out what's what, yada, yada. I just want to talk specifically about the end of the game. Markeith or McKeith Morris, whichever one of the, the Morris twins, they're both, yep. I think they're both whiny little bitches to be completely honest with you, but you know, they've been like that since they were at Kansas. That's what they are in the league. They're they're always pushing buttons and trying to get people's under people's skin. No reason for Morris to run out of left field and shoulder Jokic with those big guys. All you got to do is have your knee land one way the wrong way and it's gone. And I mm -hmm. love I love that Joker retaliated the way he did. I think people that are like turned off by it need to go find a new sport because the NBA is already as soft as, as it's ever been. I think it's it was absolutely necessary for him to do what he did. I'm kind of pissed yep. off none of the other Nuggets got in a fist fight, all-out brawl in the middle of the court because it was totally and unequivocally unnecessary to, to go shoulder check him. And then lastly, the last question I have for you would be the his brothers. Like, you, you don't mess with Siberian Russians, bro. Like, they're not – the Morris twins can get on Twitter and talk junk. The Siberian Jokic's, like, I guarantee you they've got some KGB cousins. Like, 
they'll just make people disappear, bro. And they are not fucking around. How many times you just don't mess with the Russians? These these are facts. Yeah, you know, um, so let's just start at the top. I, I think for Nikola Jokic, you know what, you know what's interesting? So when, when that whole situation went down on the court, I, I, I basically just put myself in those shoes. Because if you were dribbling the ball up the court and then you got you got checked like that, cheap shotted like that, the very least of what you would do is actually what Nikola Jokic did, you know, and, and, you know, and that is to get out and, and shoulder check him. At the very most, you would see fists being swung or a bigger two hand push to yeah. the back because that was uncalled for. And I don't care what you thought of what the situation was happening. The Nuggets are smashing you. You guys thought you were really good. Um, Jokic is in the middle of the team smashing you. Like he's the real, he's the reason why you're Drop the triple right double. Yeah. You are frustrated at this whole situation. You might've thought there was a foul down there. So now you're going to take it out on, on this guy. And then you are so comfortable with the fact that you think that you are the tough guy in that situation that you just get up and walk away as if nothing is going to happen. Just to turned you. his back and walked off. Just turned his back and walked That's off. That's almost more disrespectful than the shoulder check. Let me tell you, it's so disrespectful. But also, you uh, you got a little window into what he thought of Nikola Jokic. Thought he was soft is what he thought. It's like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do whatever I want to you. And I'm not even so worried about you. I'm so not worried about you. I'm going to just turn my back and walk away. Well, he learned that day that it didn't go down like that with Nikola Jokic. How can anybody think, think that Jokic is soft at this point in his game? He is by far the best big man in the, in the, in the NBA, and he annihilates people in the paint. Yes, he does. And he's just a big, strong dude. And, and you know, and I, and I think for the – let's just backtrack to the Phoenix Suns series last uh, a few months ago in last season. There was the, the 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 game that he got ejected yep. um, after that, and you you had the the incident where he hacked down on the guy, and then everybody comes together. And Devin Booker, I remember, ran up to Jokic as if he was gonna, you know, he's gonna chest him up, get face to face with him. And then all of a sudden, there was a point at which Jokic didn't even move, and you could see Devin Booker's eyes go, "Oh wait, this guy is seven feet tall, two hundred seventy pounds, and he looked like he's not he's not scared he's not of anybody." Dude. Yes, he's not scared of anybody. And that's, I, I think, for, I think the message that he sent, and obviously he's going to miss uh, a game. He got suspended a game because of it. Uh, but the message he sent was, yes, I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent, Matt, because he needed to do that. What these other players in the NBA need to know is, yeah, he might be the joker, but he ain't the guy, that, he's not the one. Like He's not the one. You want to go mess with somebody, you might want to start somewhere else because Nikola Jokic isn't the one. And for the Nuggets, I think it's doubly important because this is a team that there's a lot of analysis out there from the last couple of seasons that says, well, they need to be tougher. Well, they need to have a, a, some, some guy who has a chip on their shoulder. They need somebody to show that this team isn't playing. This is not the team to be messed with. Well, Jokic put that on the court for you in, in all in one instance. And I think that was very important for him. I think it was very important for the basketball team. And I don't care that he's losing one game for it because I think the, the benefits outweigh uh, the, 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 loss, it, it, the losses here in this one scenario. And so, yeah, you know what? Anybody who's a competitor, you know, you're not going to let that slide. Never. <laughs> you know, so um, I was, I, I was um, 
you know, I don't know what the, what the right wording is, but I certainly wasn't worried about how he responded to that. Um, and quite frankly, I was encouraged by how he responded to that because I think it shows everybody what, what the real deal is now as in regards to his brothers. Yeah. We got to talk about this. Yeah. His brothers are tough guys. I mean, they they are, but they're, but you know, what's so funny about it. And I know them both. They're the, they're the, they're the nicest people on the face of the earth is what they are. Most of most tough guys are until you put them in a corner. Well, until you mess with their family. Yeah. And you know, and it's ever since Jokic stepped one foot in America, those two guys have had his total back. And there have been games in the past where Jokic, especially when he was a, a young player, young rookie, or his first, second year in the league, and there might have been a dust-up on the court, um, he might have taken a cheap shot and wasn't the same Jokic as we see today, might not have retaliated, re- retaliated might not have stood up and said, yo, you ain't doing this to me. And you would see his brothers run to the edge of the run. Like they're going to the come fight. Yes, to, to basically to the edge of the court and basically say, you're not messing with our brother. You're not doing that to him. And that's the kind of relationship that they have. And they are, you think Jokic is big. They're huge. <laughs> yeah. All three I mean, of them together are like three door frames. I just love oh. the fact that they went and made a Twitter account just to go after the Morse twins. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, these aren't the dudes to be messed with. And um, if it takes them having to physically show somebody that they might do that. And um, well, I mean, they're, do... they're Eastern European from like Yugoslavia and shit. They've seen civil war and strife and, you know, really, really, really you know, hardcore living circumstances through generations of their families. And yep. I mean, it's and not I... just it's not some like MTV raps bullshit like the morris brothers grew up with like thinking they're tough like the morris brothers are only tough because they're bigger than everybody and they play basketball at kansas and they think they're tough guys the Jokic brothers are bona fide like tough people that it's just a different it's a different kind of circumstance that the that the individuals are from and like i just if it would have been the morris brothers spouting off on twitter about this circumstance against like I don't know, Rudy Gobert or something. Rudy just would have laughed it off and everything's everything and the Morris brothers can keep being the punks that they are. They they do this and they put a target on themselves the next time these guys play too because I don't think Joker's memory is is short, number one. I think he remembers everything. And the Nuggets are always going to be, in my opinion, looking for that motivation because they're always going to be the, yeah, they're a good butt team. And this could, mm-hmm. I think that this is an opportunity for them to take the true tough guy mantle in the NBA and run with it. I don't, yeah, I don't care if they're yeah. nasty. I don't care if they're fouling people. I don't care if people are on the floor. The nastier yeah. and the chippier, the better, in my opinion, for the Denver Nuggets. Well, and to be able to show that sometimes it gets a little ugly, right? You know, I mean, good you know, thing. It's, it's, it, yeah. I mean, you don't, you, you don't get that reputation by just being Mr. Nice Guy all the nope. time. Like sometimes things don't look, great for even even for people who love you are like oh i don't know if that was quite the right yeah but you know what it's it was necessary and that's i think that's the space that that Jokic was living in right there which yeah this might not look the greatest it ever needs to look but you know what it's necessary to prove a point and then to print and then to show the rest of the league that don't don't bring that to my doorstep man don't don't bring that to my doorstep because if you do <laughs> you know, you might not like what happens to you next. 
And what I think the effect league-wide is going to have is, is like nobody's going to mess with him. I mean, you're not going to see that kind of, of cheap shot. You're not going to see people test him, try to get into his face. There's, there's, there, you start to gain the, the respect from a toughness standpoint um, that maybe you hadn't had uh, in, 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 in your career to this point. And I think that's where Jokic is, and I think it's good for the Nuggets too. I remember the 2009 Nuggets team, uh, with Kenyon Martin and Birdman and those guys. And they, this is what they got into. They, they did this kind of stuff routinely. You were going to get an elbow, a straight elbow. You might get put on the ground, hard foul. And then they were going to look at you like, what are you going to do? And you didn't do anything <laughs> because you understood what was happening right here, who the real tough guy was. And so for that basketball team, Chauncey was on that team too. And um, Dante Jones, it was just a bunch of rugged dudes yeah. who you knew you weren't going to mess with. And so I think that's where the, the you know, the, the Nuggets, the, the, you, they, they needed a little injection of that and Jokic gave it to him. Well, he's going to miss one game against the Pacers and I could care less. Uh, hopefully the Nuggets can get a win uh, against Indy, uh, Indiana and we will see. But hats off to the Joker uh, for defending himself, number one, but also for just setting that tone physically as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Agreed. Jeffries joins us here on episode 133 of McChesney Unchained at DNVR. Make sure you go to the DNVR.com. Check out all the content. Um, all right. A couple college football games from last weekend. Uh, CSU loses to Boise State again. Uh, Boise State has become CSU's bugaboo, but then they follow that up with a loss to Wyoming for the boot. Um, yeah. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but that's their two biggest games of the year back-to-back, and they dropped both of them. Um, yeah. Do you think Adazio you know can survive this in Fort Collins before we move on to Boulder? Boy, that's a good question. Um, you know, it, it's what's interesting to me about CSU season is – you know, there was a point at which I thought they might be turning a corner, you know, so you have, you, know, you lose to, uh, to um, South Dakota State to start. Yeah. Uh, you, you come back, but then you show little signs of life. All right. So you, it's a tough luck, tough luck loss to Vanderbilt. Um, you, you bounce back with a victory. Then you look like you look really good against Iowa. Like that was the game that really did open my eyes. I was like, wow. I mean, they're standing toe to toe. Iowa at the time was number five in the nation. Yeah. You reel off some wins after that, and it's like, okay, maybe they are getting their feet up under them. Um, but then after you beat New Mexico, you've lost every game since. And for it's hard for coaches to survive that. Um, there's no doubt about it. Now, I'm sure Adazio would just go, look, this is my first full non-COVID season here. And so can I get more than just one season? And maybe he's you know, I, you know, maybe he's right in saying that. I don't know, but the athletic director knows what the trajectory of the program is, no matter what you say, where the recruiting is, where, where the player development is, what it actually looks like, even the results, even if, if you're losing, are there steps being made that say to them, okay, but he'll have this turned around sooner rather than later. I don't know that that's the case. I don't know that they can look at that and say exactly that right now. Like maybe a month ago, you might have looked at it and said, "Okay, maybe, maybe so." Uh, and I don't, you know. So it's it's he's on he's definitely in on thin ice. There's there's no there's no doubt about it. You can't keep taking beatdowns to to Wyoming in that game. Like that's that's a non-starter at CSU. You can't lose that game um, and and get beat down in that in in that fashion. Um, and then continue to expect to keep your job. So. Um, he's going to have to have a good, strong, a strong finish to the end of the season to make his case. 
Yeah, I don't think that they will fire him just from a money standpoint, but they've got to figure that out because, you know, CSU has been in despair for quite a long time as well without a 2016 season like like CU had in, in between their 20-year run of despair. Right. So, all right, so CU gets a big win in double overtime against Oregon State, 37-34. Uh, I – I was very impressed with how they played and how they looked. This was the team I thought we were going to see at the beginning of the season. It just yeah. took a long it took a long time for them to get to this spot. I I I'm having trouble believing that firing one offensive line coach that was look, Mitch was atrocious at his job. We're not sitting here debating that. I can I find it hard to believe that he's the only reason they've turned this corner. I think there's a lot of internal change, uh more commitment to the running game, things of that nature. What have you yes. seen? What have you seen from CU that makes you believe? I think they can beat UCLA. I think they can beat Washington. I think they can give Utah a run. UCLA is not a great team. Washington is on the ropes. Jimmy Lake is not coaching this week. He got suspended. Uh, they're going to yeah. be looking for a new head coach in Seattle. And then you never know if you walk into into Utah at five and six if what could happen on that Saturday. So they have a lot to play for in Boulder right now. And I was very 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 happy to see them turn that corner the other day offensively at least lewis looks like he might be able to play the position yeah you know what's wild is for a team that struggled for so many weeks to score points they literally their offensive performance got a got a defensive coordinator fired oregon state fired their defense coordinator after that game and <laughs> I just thought that that was just really wild because CU couldn't score until two weeks ago. They couldn't, they couldn't, couldn't score They points. couldn't even tie their shoes. Yes. And so, um, and I always thought back to what you said because you said this on, uh, on our air on Altitude too, um, it, just in terms of changing an offensive line co uh, coach being any kind of, I mean, so significant that now all of a sudden that they can just move the ball and score the points. And it, it just is, it's amazing to think that maybe, and as you said, there, there, there are other factors here, but that seems to be the overarching factor. And to your point, I, I, this is what, it always did blow my mind about CU this year that they did not commit to the running game more. You literally had the offensive, Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year is your running back. Yep. And you didn't lean on that individual. You didn't lean on Broussard. They didn't use him at all. From the beginning of the season. Yeah knowing that your quarterback was as young as he is and as inexperienced as he is. And I just thought that that was such a huge mistake. And now you're getting around to it. And great. So you, now you look great in these last couple of games. Your offense is uh, moving the ball at a clip that it has not moved the entire season. But wow, now it's like, okay, there's three games left. You could have been doing this at the beginning of the season. And that's the CU fan in me. Just the, the why haven't we been doing this since day one part of me. Um, now, having said this, it is very encouraging to see them play this way. It is too bad to me that they wasted a really good defense this season because the defense was good. And, and, I, and I, I thought that if they – look, they gave up 32 points a game last year, which is bad. If yeah. I, I really thought that if they averaged anywhere between 18 and 21 points a game given up this year, that they could win eight or nine games and, and be yes. in the South. And they're giving yeah. up 19.5 points a game. Or like yeah. it's, I think it's 20.5 now after a 34-point give up. But, yeah. but yeah. that's the number we wanted to see. And it's it <laughs> didn't it didn't come to fruition until it until it did. I mean, who's to say they can't get on a run here on these last three weeks? I know they've never won in LA, 
But that is, look, that's skewed. They've never won in L.A. in the Pac-12, but mm-hmm. CU has walked into the Rose Bowl before and beat the shit out of UCLA. I know I was on the team. So, like, these – And I was covering that team. That's what I'm saying. Like, these – I understand they, they haven't won in L.A., but they have. I understand Washington, the W on the on the helmet looks a certain way nationally, but they're not as good as they have been. And CU beat them two years ago at home in Folsom. So I, the Utah game is one that they've got to overcome. Utah's damn good and beat Stanford 52 to 7 on Friday yeah. night. So yeah. do you think that they have a chance over the next three weeks to maybe fight for bowl eligibility the last game of the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they have a chance. Another five and seven season in Boulder? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they have a chance. I think the UCLA game will be a tough game. Um, UCLA, I mean, Chip Kelly, he wants to run the ball. So, um, you know, they're going to be tested. The, the defensive line, linebacker is going to be tested. And, and that's just the way it's that that's going to be. And so if you can hold up there and your offense can continue to do what it's been doing the last couple of weeks, then, yeah, I mean, that's a game that, that looks like it's a winnable game. Um, it is still a UCLA team that – you know, started the season off by beating LSU and looking, yep. really, looking really good. And so they have that kind of performance in them, whether they have put that on the, you know, they've been obviously very inconsistent this season, um, but they have that in them too. So uh, of the next two games, this is the one that's, you know, you, if you get this one, now you're set up really nice going into Washington. Cause you're right. Washington just, this has just not been the season for them. And um, if you can get momentum from beating Oregon State, then beating UCLA, going into a Washington game, wow, okay, you know, you find some way to, to to win that game. Then you just see what you can do against Utah because Utah is legit good. I believe they're number twenty-five yep. um, in, in the in, in that college football playoff poll. So um, it's a legit good team, and you would have to bring your A game um, in in there. But to even get to that point, you got to get past these two next te- next two tests. Do I think they can do it? Yeah, I do. I mean, they, do that, I the they same should... team beat UCLA and Folsom last year. Let's remember that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And 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 look, the quarterback at UCLA is a year wise. You know, it's a year wise. He's a year wiser, and 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 the, you know, like, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it'll it'll be a tough game. There's there's just no doubt about that. But I think also this, Matt, you must have momentum going into next season. You must. And, you know, you had momentum coming out of last season, coming into this one. And that was, that was the legs were chopped off of that right at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And so if you are the CU football team and Carl Durrell, you need momentum going into spring football and then into next season. If you're Brendan Lewis, you need momentum. These last three games are, quite frankly, they're an audition. Because in spring football, are you, is Carl Durrell going to go, all right, open open competition in quarterback in like a legit, this is really open competition at quarterback, or will it be, this is open competition at quarterback in the, well, but we need to have competition at quarterback, but this is going to be our guy right. going into next fall. So these three next, next three games for him are uber important. And so I think for those reasons, both of those reasons, um, CU needs to show really, really well um, and, and, and get some momentum exiting this season and then into spring football for next season well i i'm look i know it's the buff in me but i'm, I'm going to take them on the road uh this weekend against ucla and i don't know what the line is on DraftKings, but i don't care i'm definitely putting some bread <laughs> on it too because i want to be as invested as humanly possible for this trip Super. to the rose bowl um 
I, I think that they are headed in the right direction. The transfer portal, I think, is going to be a very unique opportunity for CU this uh, offseason to go get some maybe some defensive help at the linebacker position and whatnot. I'm eager to see what kind of recruiting class they bring in. Um, so we'll see how all that goes. Uh, all right. Chris Dempsey joins us here on McChesney Unchained, uh, episode 133. We get into the NFL now. Uh, and mainly, I just want to talk about the Denver Broncos. And we're not going to go too broad on the league. It's look, the, the midway point of the NFL uh, has hit us. Uh, it, we're already talking about how bad the refs are. And God almighty, they are. <laughs> uh, the Monday, that Monday night shit was just, I mean, have you ever, st- I know you've seen it before because you're in the media, but yeah. that that's the kind of stuff with the ref moving into Cassius Marsh and throwing the flag. Yeah. Those, those the taunting penalties, all that kind of stuff. I think it's really changing some of these games outcomes. And when you give refs this kind of power, good, good shit usually doesn't happen. Uh, give me your thoughts on that before we get into the Denver Broncos. Yeah. And it just seems to me and to so many people that these, these, this emphasis on taunting is just unnecessary. Like why, for what? Totally. You know, I mean, no fun. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, you could probably count on one hand the instances where somebody's taunting has resulted in some sort of big, huge altercation between two football. Like, so he looked at guys who he just got a sack, he did a spin kick, and looked at somebody yeah. for too long. That's I why know. you're throwing a penalty. I, what the fuck are we talking about? That's terrible. It, it really is terrible. And then to you know, and I know Mike Tomlin is on the comp. Obviously, it benefited his team, and he's on That's the why he likes it. it. Yeah, and so he was like, "Listen, we're just trying to clean our game up." For it was not dirty. It ain't dirty. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's softer and nicer than it's ever been. Yeah, and I just and it's and it's too bad because a penalty like that should never have a significant impact on the outcome of game, and and it did. And you know, and that's I don't know how the NFL can feel any kind of good about that. Why do um, they keep just, doing this though? Why do they keep uh, every now and then they they put these rules in where? We're always complaining about the rule and the ref, and then they just change the fucking rule after the season, and they're like, "Oh yeah. well, yeah, that didn't work, but we're now we're going to do this to screw with the game." Like they can never yeah. just have a complete product. That they don't need to have a taunting rule. They don't need to over call holding penalties. They don't need to, you know, they don't need to have the yeah. targeting rule on the quarterback where if you push him and it, your hand hits his face mask, it's a 15-yard penalty. This shit is getting ridiculous. It's, it's taking away from the purity of the game as a guy who played it, in my opinion. Well, and and in terms of the taunting, it's kind of mixed messages. So celebrate all like, – the entire defense can you know, can run all the way down to That's the That's not field, taunting? Take, 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 run on the boat? Shit. Yeah, like, I, come on. I, I know. It's, all, it's like, all right, so, I mean, is this – can you do this or can you not do this? Like, you're like the, which one is it? And, um, you know, it's just, it's too bad because I think, uh, you know, it's, you can't have those types of penalties be the ones that, out, that, that impact outcomes. And that, that, that clearly did. So, well, shit, man, um, I, watching games these days, I'm more confused on what a penalty is than like Deshaun Watson's masseuse trying to figure out what he wants. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just sitting there super confused, like, oh, okay, that's, he just, he just, he cleated some guy. That's not a penalty. He blew on Kyler Murray's ankle too hard. That's a penalty. He looked at the sideline. That's a penalty. The whole defense got a pick, ran down to the the camera, took a row the boat picture, and like we're throwing up signs with their helmets off. But that's not. So I, I just I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, 
every time there's a big play, I'm like, okay, just run off the field, just leave the field. <laughs> because you know, like if, if you're if you're a better or you like you 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 know you you use DraftKings or FanDuel and all these different platforms. I personally think that there should be a site out there that like tells you what crew is working which game and how many holding penalties they call and how strict they are on the taunting stuff because it that absolutely changed the outcome of that game the other night on Monday night. The Bears should have yeah. won that game. Well, they were in a position to win that game. I don't say should have. They were in a position to win. They made a huge play. He stared at the sideline a little bit too long and fucking super geek ref guy decided to throw a flag because he didn't like it. that's bullshit <laughs> like if i'm Cassius marsh i'm getting kicked out of that game for screaming at the dude yeah 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 i mean it is it's um it's it's just it really is just head shaking and honestly uh, matt I, I actually think you know the league i think the league puts the refs in in bad scenarios because they expect the referees to call these and the referees have to call them and it's not the referees that came up with this rules, the stupid competition committee that came up with the rule that now the refs have to enforce. That's true. It's That's like true. A, you know, you know what I'm saying? And so it, it's like, it's like, what are we all doing here? Like what, where's, where, where couldn't our energy be put somewhere else? That's much more important uh, than to this dumb thing here that is ruining games, literally ruining games. I mean, games. look, look, the quarter, the, the rough in the quarterback penalties and the taunting penalties are egregiously ruining football and tar and targeting. I think the targeting stuff, it, targeting has kind of calmed down a little bit. Only the egregious ones get called now. Targeting in college football and kicking kids out is atrocious. But mm -hmm. the the those two calls in the NFL are, in my opinion, swaying games, and I they've got to do something about this. But then not turn it on its head and change something else that we just focus on at that point. I think they do it on purpose too, just to get us talking about it. The sons of bitches. So I guess we'll see what happens there. Uh, all right. Denver Broncos. They uh, look on Friday. We pretty much said there was absolutely no way this was going to happen. I, 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 I sat there and I was like, I don't see a situation where they can win this game. And then they yeah. went out and Dallas shit all over themselves and Denver took advantage of it. And, that you know, the most telling part of the whole game to me was the opening fourth and two when Justin Simmons walks into the box and Dak Prescott doesn't even identify him and he's just really nonchalant, like, oh, we're just going to run this zone play and see what happens. And they're obviously overmatched. Like, that's the perfect circumstance for you to take a shot and change the play and be an elite quarterback. And he didn't do it. Simmons stuffs a run. They get a huge turn of events. They get up early. Before you know it, it's 14 nothing, And then by the by, the end of the third quarter, it's fucking thirty to zero. So I'm like, I'm sitting here like, what in the hell is going on? If I would have known this was going to happen, I would have put my mortgage on the damn Broncos on front drafting. So I mean, what what in the hell is going on with the Denver Broncos? I mean, is losing Von Miller motivated this team that much? Was he really the problem? There's no way that could be the thing. Could it? He may not be the so problem big. as a player, but who's to say that his nonchalant attitude didn't rub off on his entire team? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know what? It, it, I can't rule it out. You, this, who knows? I, I, watching that game, here's what I thought as a Broncos fan. You had this in you the entire time this season. And what you the hell is going on? This. I don't like what. Like I, I, I can't even believe 
that you are putting this performance on the field and you got smashed by the Raiders and you got beat by the Ravens and you just looked bad and couldn't score points on offense and you walked out here and you dominated a team that nobody thought you could dominate. Matt, I asked you on air on Friday, I was like, Okay, but if there is there any scenario that the Bronco, Broncos could win this I game? I said no. Like, I don't think so. Like I, I was racking my brain. Like okay, yeah. if this ha- like <laughs> if everybody gets hurt and they just don't show up at all, then yeah, maybe they could win. But I've I never know. seen. I, I mean, look, I understand the NFL is fickle, and it seems to me that the teams that have something to play for this year, specifically, those teams tend, tend to win. Like. The Raiders, when they had something to play for, the Gruden thing, they came out and won. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the Broncos have their back against the wall in this game. They came out and win. You know, the Arizona at the beginning of the year going to L.A., nobody gave them a shot in hell. They went out and won. Yeah. There's always, you know, yeah. at the beginning of the year with Aaron Rodgers going back, they laid an egg in the opener in New Orleans. Everybody thought they would drop that game. New Orleans won. So, I, I just – I look at the Broncos now and I'm really – looking at this entire situation and going, okay, that's great. They won. I'm not going to sit here and beat a dead horse. They beat the shit out of the Cowboys. That's awesome. It's one win. Vic Fangio has said countless times that we're on a six-day life cycle in the NFL, and that's the truth. Yeah. That said, I am now evenly, or I am now, you know, as worried about Philadelphia this weekend because I watched every snap of Philly Chargers. And they yeah. were they were a play away from winning that game. They are mm-hmm. not a bad football team. They are super physical up front. Fletcher Cox is a man, and he's going to be playing against a rookie in Quinn Miners. Mm-hmm. I, I I want to see if the Broncos are mature enough to handle this win, Dems. Yeah. Like I'm looking at it like are they we're five and four and fighting for a spot? They go drop this game to Philly and they're five and five going into the bye after that win against Dallas. I think the Broncos country could be like teetering on a ledge, bro. Like, hey, we're really good. Oh, we suck. We're really good. We said like this bipolar shit is driving me crazy. I can only imagine how it's how it's treating the fans. Yes, yes, that's it. And they that's the whole thing right there. It's like, well, how good are we? Are we are, are we not good? Are we wait, we're are we great? Are we we that's what the Dallas Cowboys win did was really throw just so much confusion into it. It's like after the first three games, I think we all understood that the competition wasn't the best competition, but they beat those teams. They handled those teams. And then you go into a stretch where you're playing some tough teams and you lose all those games. Like, well, maybe the Broncos just really aren't as good as we thought they were. And then you go into maybe the best team of, of that stretch. After trading, after trading your franchise player. I know. It makes no sense. And you look like that Dallas looks like they shouldn't even be on the field with you. And that's, I mean, they didn't win by just a field. They didn't just kick a field at the end to win. It was 30 to zero. They dominated that football game, bro. Like, it's not, it wasn't even close just turning the ball over in an insane clip. And no, they were three and out punt. You know what? The, yeah. the, the Cowboys look like the Broncos. Look like I'd like That's to think exactly that they can it. keep this going, but I'm also I'm also totally and unequivocally freaked out that Philadelphia playing with nothing to lose at three and five, and the Broncos right. with all this yeah. momentum, quote unquote, on Sunday in, in you know in power field, like that place is gonna be humming. 
everybody's going to be looking forward to my week and getting healthy in the AFC West pack back half of the schedule. People are already overlooking the Eagles. They're already talking like, did we not yeah. win anything from the last week? And I'm hoping team can, can learn from it. I don't know if they can though, because are as streaky as any team in football. And I, I do not feel good about the Broncos this weekend against the Eagles at all. Yeah, we're going to find out because, um, you know, I think one of the things we have to find out is are they, are they actually really good? I mean, are, are you, are you good? So now you can show us. So you beat a real, you, you beat a team that everybody had held in higher regard. And now you're going against a team that most people do not hold, hold with any. Should. And I would say this, the, what the, the one thing and until the Dallas game, the one thing that the Broncos have done is beat the bad teams, just lose to the good teams. Like that's really what they've done generally yep. this season. And then so the Cowboys game would have been the first time that they broke that pattern. And so if they just keep the, the pattern of beating teams that aren't quite as good, they should definitely beat the Eagles. Will not be easy to do that, but it doesn't have to be easy. You just got to get the W. And then if they get the W, then you can kind of recalibrate and then ask yourself, okay, so where are they, where are, where exactly do they fit in in the AFC? Because AFC looks okay. <laughs> it's, know, it's, it's pretty weak this year. We're at yeah, this point, I mean, midway through the season, with Kansas City at four and four and Tennessee, I know they looked really good against the Rams, but they're without their hammer. Derrick mm-hmm. Henry's out. Baltimore is susceptible. They're, they're good, but they're only as good as Lamar Jackson is that day. Buffalo, went and lost to Jacksonville. Buffalo lost you know? to Jacksonville on the road. So, I mean, nine to six. What? They were they were sixteen point favor or fifteen point favorites or some shit. And they average over thirty points a game on offense. Two field goals. Yes, I know. It's just as I you know, the AFC. I cannot get sorted out, and that's why if you're a Broncos fan, you you if you're the Broncos, period. Beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Try to get you some momentum. Get healthy through a bye week, and let's just see what happens. Because the Chargers at one point looked like they were going to be really good. They took a couple of losses. I mean, they're obviously a, a formidable team, but they're not beyond being beaten. The Kansas City Chiefs have holes. They, they and, and 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 their enterprise right now. The Raiders are. Whatever the Raiders the are going to Raider, bro. I mean, I yeah. almost feel bad for Derek Carr, but they're they're going to nosedive eventually. They, yeah, I mean, you would have to think with all they have going on, they just got rid of their other first round pick too, and Darren Abrams. Yeah. This this idiot was what was he doing on social media? Brandishing firearms and threatening people like what are you what are you doing, bro? You can't you point doing? your forty five at the fucking screen, idiot. I know it's so dumb. God, it's just stupid. There's not there's not a lot of smart thinking going on out there. But you look at the valley. So then you look at the landscape of the AFC, and all of a sudden, it just looks like if you can get yourself together it, and with a defense that the Broncos have, the Broncos, you know, they, they, it's not like they walked into Dallas with a bad defense. They walked in with one of the best defenses. And, and, and right. they, okay. Oh, oh wait. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, hold, hold on. Then yeah. Well, let's let's just finish this. Okay. Yeah. Three, two, one. All right. So, look, man, with Philadelphia coming into town and and the Broncos looking to go six and four into the bye week, do you think that they have a chance to win this game this weekend and they're going to be mature enough to handle it, in your opinion, before we get you off here? Yeah, you know what? I actually do. And here's why. I, I think that Teddy Bridgewater,